millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We're 30 episode 31 on Spotcast, and we're episode 231 on pod, on this one. I mean wow. just random chance because we went months in between episodes. Yeah. Like we like we planned it somehow. I don't know. The stars aligned for the Super Blood Wolf Moon podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Super Blood Wolf Moon Podcast. Yeah. So, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 231 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. Alrighty. Did you guys watch the sun, the blood red wolf moon thing? No, it was, uh, the weather was bad here, so you couldn't see it from my area, which was too bad. How about you, Jaime? Yeah, likewise, it was, well, I guess I didn't try hard enough. The time I went was around where the peak was, and it was cloudy, unfortunately. Maybe if Would I, that have been around like eight o'clock for you guys? Uh, like eight forty-five to nine fifteen, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was minus twenty-three that night here in Toronto. So there wasn't. A, I don't think it was too cold too cold for the clouds to come out. So uh, we had a clear sky, but it was like minus twenty-three outside. So I basically just watched it through the like brushed the snow off the skylight we have on our roof and just watched it through the skylight. So mm. which night was that? Uh, it was um, Sunday, I think. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Us, that was the day. I was I was watching uh, the Patriots win the cha- AFC Championship, so they're going to the Super Bowl. That's right. Oh, really? Oh, I yep. see. Yep. Yeah, that it was, it was a bad omen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like the way I slipped that in casually there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great game. Yeah. Great game. Interesting. Yeah, it really yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. And who's the quarterback for the Patriots now? A uh, guy, you might have heard of him. Uh, his name, first name is Tom. Yeah. Um, last name is Brady. Last name is Brady. Yeah. He, you know, he was, he was one of the... Uh, he was on that TV show in the seventies, Brady Bunch. Now he was. Yeah, you know it's funny that I heard I saw a tweet the other day from I guess a sportscaster who said that all of these things didn't exist when Tom Brady played his first Super Bowl, and it was like you know iPhone, obviously, you know yep. a bunch of you know I think a lot of lot, like what year did he start? 
in uh... his first Super Bowl was 2001. Yeah. Well, technically the Super Bowl, the game was actually played in early 2002, but it was a 2001 season. Yeah. So like YouTube, you know, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, all those, you know, kind of things didn't exist. In fact, I don't think Facebook existed back then either, right? No, that wouldn't be till like 2004. Google yeah. was like this cute little startup, you know? <laughs> yeah. Amazon yeah, probably. I mean, that, that, see, that game was only a few months after 9-11, if you're oh, it's true, yeah. that far mm. back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Hmm. Too bad he didn't win, Mark. He did win. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> that one he that did, yes. That such a good setup, you know? <laughs> and he yeah. won, too, eh, Mark? Yeah, no, he won three before he lost the first one. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lost three, then lost, unfortunately, two in a row, then won one, and then lost one. Right, right. And how many won altogether? Four? He's won five. Five, okay. And this will be six if he wins this one? Yep. Is that like a record? That would be a record. It'd yeah. be a continuation right. of a record, because he's already the winningest quarterback. Oh, five? At five? Mm-hmm. So you'd have really? four and four for um, Terry Bradshaw from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, and Joe Montana. And Joe That's Montana right. from the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. Yep. So um, this, if the Patriots do win, they will tie Pittsburgh Steelers for the most Super Bowl wins for any team, any you know, any any uh, NFL team. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, let's get on with the show then, shall we? Uh, have we started yet? Yes, we did. Okay. Yeah, we're, I'm <laughs> recording on my end too. So. Should I remember? Uh, no, no, good? I mean the whole introduction part. We did that already. We did do that. Um, mm-hmm. So we have some Ask MTJC. Do you want to do it, Jaime, or shall I? Maybe you take this one because there's a there's a unit in there that I don't quite understand like how to read that and if it's shortened in any way. So oh, okay. based on okay. my yeah. lack of familiarity with the metric system, wow. I'd appreciate the whole metric system. Yeah, like I know what the unit have... is, but the unit per unit is I'm not sure how you're supposed to read that. I have a, a yeah, guess. So you, but you guys I'll had the metric it. system for like 20 minutes when Jimmy Carter was president, right? Uh, we never actually had it, but there was talk about having it. Never, <laughs> never actually happened. Right. Okay. Uh, well, this is feedback from uh, Paul Wilkinson. We were talking last week about uh, kilometrage and uh, how to calculate it and, and whether or not other other um, countries say kilometrage or mileage, as we say. We're talking about mileage will vary. Um, so uh, Paul has uh, confirmed that in his tweet here, which I'll link in the show notes, that in Australia, where they're officially metric in, since 1974, which is, I think, probably even before Canada, um, it's liters per 100 kilometers is what that says, Jaime, um, the measure, used to measure fuel and fuel efficiency but everybody is if he says because they, they had uh, miles and and gallons before that uh, imperial gallons I must, I must say they um they would say mileage and people would know what you mean so there you go so, and also for distance traveled yeah it's interesting that they their unit is volume over distance right whereas ours is miles per gallon which is distance over volume yeah, that's true that's true I've all, i mean so it is it, very it's always confused me when i try to think of miles, you know, because I always think miles per gallon, right? That's that's right. the stat, right? Yep. Yeah, and you're right. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't really noticed that it was like uh, the vol- the gas over over distance, uh, mm-hmm. backward mm-hmm. fraction. Yeah, with a hundred kilometers. Yeah, as opposed to just a single mile. Yeah, was interesting. What that would that mean? That would mean I wonder if they did that on purpose, just so you wouldn't confuse the numbers, because the numbers will be very different. Oh, they're quite different. Yeah, different. like you might have 35 miles per gallon versus like eight liters per hundred kilometers, sort of thing, right? Right, right. So. so so, yeah, because the numbers would be so different, then it's easily recognizable which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Or you're getting really poor.
for gas mileage. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, isn't a Camaro like eight eight miles per gallon? Yeah, the old, some old sports cars and old trucks had just really, really horrible. Uh, did they have that bad? Uh, they, I know they were bad, but did they have that under, bad? Under gas ten, mileage? yeah, yeah. Really? Back in the old days. Wow. Yeah, back in the old days. I, I, you couldn't, you wouldn't get one now that had that was that bad. But certainly back in the old days, they were. Wow. Before they cared about this stuff. Interesting. All right. Well, let's move on to our follow up. So, Jaime, you have some follow up for. I, I posted the same thing, but then I realized you posted it, so I deleted my post. But there you go. Uh, what do you got, Jaime? Yeah, Apple announced that uh, Apple Pay is even more successful in terms of its uh, breadth and reach. They announced that now 74 of the top 100 merchants in the US of A and 65% of all retail locations, again, within the United States, will support Apple Pay. So there are some who have been there since the beginning, like McDonald's, some holdouts like Target, who was on the um, currency sort of branch. They were part of that consortium that was trying to get its own thing going that sort of died. And I don't think anybody actually is remaining as others like CVS have jumped over to use um, NFC-based payments like Apple Pay, Google Pay, and to a slightly different technology, uh, Samsung Pay. And even Walmart has sort of, as far as I know, shelved the currency thing and are pushing their own Walmart Pay within their app. Oh, I was going to say, what are they doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's tons of ones on here. Uh, Not sure how many of these are specifically American, so I don't know what it means for Canadian and other international brands, but uh, Costco, Dunkin' Donuts, Best Buy, uh, Meyer, Taco Bell, 7-Eleven. It's the wave of the future. I think eventually everybody will be taking these things. Yeah, no mention of Tim Hortons, though, Tim. Sorry. Well, so I was going to throw some some shade at you guys because, you know, we've had the Interact system here forever, and so we've had touch tap to pay and those kind of things for a long, long time, which is what essentially Apple Pay is here in Canada. So if there was a Target in Canada, they would have had Apple Pay years ago. So we have, Tim Hortons even has their own app now, too, which you can pay for. But yeah, most of us use our Apple Watches and do a sort of backward, you know, genuflect onto the payment device to, to pay with our, our credit cards or debit cards. Uh, but yeah, no, we've we've had uh, Apple Pays everywhere. Like, unless unless the merchant doesn't want to buy a, um, you know, near-field communication device, which some of them don't, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when you go to them and, you, like, they have a, a piece of masking tape on that says, no tap, and so you, you give them crap as you reach into your wallet like an animal and pay with your card, right? But, uh, or chip use and cash. No, nobody uses cash here. I feel, I feel sorry for all the, the homeless people who are up there with their Tim Hortons cups on the sidewalks because I'm like, you know, do you take Apple Pay? No? Okay, bye-bye. You know, because yeah, nobody carries cash. It, it actually, that's that's interesting that you say that because I was just noticing this, that even as early as like maybe two years ago, I still used cash for a lot of stuff. Right, yeah. And now it's, I never do. I mean, literally never. If they don't take Apple Pay, I'll use a credit card. And it's, I mean, I can't say absolutely never, but I mean, it's so rare that I use cash. I never have to go to the ATM anymore, which is great. Yeah, well, on the other hand, though, when I'm traveling in the States, I find that, like, for instance, I have my debit card set up as my as my on my Apple Pay device, and yep. I have a credit card, too, but I have a hard time using Apple Pay in the States for some reason. I can't figure out why. Huh. Um, so I, I end up having to carry some cash and, and uh, pay with, like, Visa like an animal, and sometimes even sign with a pen, which is, like, so archaic. Well, when's the know? last time you were in the States? You were here about a year or so ago, right? No, I was, I was there in, well, I was in San, San Diego in, or sorry, it was you know, San, San Jose. Diego. Yeah. San Jose. I was in San Jose the year, two years ago before they uh, they switched over to, 2017. I was oh, there it was two years ago. Wow. That yeah, was. but no, I was yeah. I was in I was in, uh, I was in uh, Washington last year for RWDevCon in April, but I was also mm-hmm. at, um, in Denver for, uh, in August for um, 360 oh, this year? Dev. Yeah. Oh, okay. 2018. Okay. Just okay. passed. Yeah. 
Yeah. It hasn't happened yet this year, Mark. <laughs> I meant as opposed to last year. I know what you mean. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. you know what I meant. Yeah. 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 So the reason I asked is what is because around here, at least, uh, you're seeing Apple Pay in a lot more places, as this article is evidence of. Uh, almost everywhere takes it now, which is great. Yeah, but what I meant was I think the way my card is set up on my watch doesn't work in the States. Oh, oh, oh. Getting. It's, it's yeah. not, okay. It's not that you weren't finding places that would take it. It's just that it wasn't working. I get, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, because yeah, I, I think probably because I don't think there's any sort of international how do you handle debit card payments sort of scheme set up, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Visa works, mm-hmm. but but, mm-hmm. but uh, so I had a lot of trouble with that. So I just ended up, you know, I, I was able to pay. A, I don't think I paid anywhere with because with my Apple Pay last year mm-hmm. in the States. I'll have to look at my receipts and see what, what I did. Anyway, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of end of things, um, I posted a thing here, but Harmony also has a follow-up, which is a similar story. But I saw the other day and, you know, silently rejoiced to myself that it's the end of the Windows Phone era finally at long last um they've announced that uh, they're end of lifing it when are they end of lifing it um soon if not already apparently it will receive it. its la- uh, windows 10 mobile will receive its last patches and security updates on december 10th microsoft saying you need to move off of that because it's it's coming to an end this is that same metro interface that they introduced with windows 8 i think right yeah and a, i believe an outgrowth of it's so confusing because windows phone is technically somehow different than the Windows 10 and Windows 10 mobile system. Not sure about right. compatibility, oh, okay. unfortunately. Those who might not know the short history, um, you got hosed really hard if you had a Windows Phone 7 device because odds are it was not upgradable to Windows Phone 8. And then guess what? You liked it so much, you paid twice. You get screwed twice. Uh, if you had Windows Phone 8, uh, you were not, in general, as far as I know, upgradable to Windows 10 mobile. So definitely not been a, a good ride for the strongest Windows Phone fans, that's for sure. So what's the gist of the uh, the um, uh, Ars Technica article you have here? Same subject? That, uh, you know, hey, this thing is coming to an end, and then the very explicit guidance, because there are um, there are fans out there who still believe that uh, it will come back and, and that things will change. Um, Any day now. Microsoft's like, our official guidance is move to a supported Android or iOS device and use sure. our range of Microsoft applications that are on there instead. True. It's, it's interesting, the video, in the link that I put in there is a video of two young gentlemen talking about the Windows phone. One of them's a fan and one's not. One's a realist. And uh, they were talking about the actual percentage of people that have iPhone. I mean, worldwide, I think iPhone is what, it's a really low percentage. It's not as high as we think, right? Um, uh, Samsung is like 60% of the market and, and iPhone is like small, like under 10%, I think. But like the uh, Windows phone is like really like 2% or something ridiculously small, right? So according to these guys in the video. Yeah, there, there are some countries where Windows phone just did really well. Um, that was not true of the world in general um yeah i mean we could do like a whole completely separate podcast like sideshow on like what we think ended up happening but however it happened the fact of the matter is once your windows phone you know breaks you're not going to be able to get a new one because the services will stop working as well in addition to um lack of security updates so do you know if they're going to have some kind of a migration plan where you get to bring your viruses and malware with you to the new phone (laughs) seems seems like moving mobile only if you're on Google Drive and iCloud to make sure they're forever backed up. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. 
Yeah, I seem to remember Steve Ballmer saying that uh, the iPhone was, was doomed when the Windows Phone came out back in yeah. 2008, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well. All right, and uh, the next story here, Jaime, we both had something to contribute to this one as well. So Yeah, so if you were one of those people wondering, what the heck am I going to do moving off a of Windows Phone? Well, Apple, apparently, according to this Mac Rumors uh, uh, blog post here, says that uh, they have quietly started reselling the iPhone SE. Uh, it's not new in any way. It looks like they, 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 they found the same place where the Ark of the Covenant is stored. And they found a cache, a hidden cache of iPhone SEs that have decided to put them for sale on their website. Yeah, it's and, interesting. Yeah, and this is actually on Apple's site, right, for you guys in the States? Apparently it's on the clearance store in the United States. Oh, the refurbished store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not in the Canadian store. I looked, I looked the other day and I had put, I had originally put a comment up here saying that it wasn't available in Canada, but somebody pointed it out to me today. I think, uh, let me think who that was. Who was sitting next to me this morning? Um, I can't remember. Anyway, shout out to you, whoever you are. Uh, but Costco has uh, is selling them in Canada, and I actually went and Googled the uh, Costco site, and the so in the states it's two forty nine for I guess for this 64, 16 gig, thirty two gig, I guess it is. Yeah, that's what it says here in the article. Yeah, so in Canada it's uh, three ninety nine for the one twenty eight and two two ninety nine for the thirty two gig. So and you know what? It's it's an it's actually a decent phone. I mean, like you know, um, I have a I was working today with an iPhone five uh, S, I guess, or yeah. 5s i guess yeah it's the same uh, size format right the old mm-hmm. square it like is, yeah. bevel yeah and you know they would run that panorama app we were talking about last week but um yeah it's not a bad phone if you're looking for an expensive phone and at 299 it's a really decent entry point right for someone if they want to have ios and and all the bells and whistles and, and a headphone jack right yeah and you know and, and touch id not everybody's oh right touch into ID, face yeah, yeah. id I, I do think it's sort of the wave of the future as the iphone uh, 10r you know the lowest the current lowest right, end model yeah. that is of a brand new series. Um, I, I, I know that there are fans. I mean, clearly this article mentions like several updates of like sold out. No, wait, we found some more. They're selling some more. Um, I do think people like this form factor. I don't know what the split looks like, but um, I can kind of see that maybe that spread between the, you know, the updates to the 10s and 10s max, you might reasonably sort of deprecate the 10 R or size it down to the iPhone SE size using the sure, same sort yeah. of design language of the, you know, the uh, edge to edge, maybe with a notch if they can't get the notch uh, completely removed. Um, no home button. So now you've got more screen. Is there people who just want that phone that is easier to pocket? And I think if you were to combine that, you know, relative size and specs with iPhone, you know, 10, 10s style design language and face ID, I think it'd be a huge yeah. winner. I, I think we're actually, we, we touched on this briefly last week because uh, there was a report that there were going to be no more uh, LCD screens after this year. Uh, and so we were wondering what, what you know, what's the successor to the 10R if there's no LCD screens? Because that, you know, a, a 10R with a with an, <coughs> with an OLED screen is not 10S, more or less, right? Mm-hmm. So so I wonder, it would actually make a lot of sense, I think, if they did exactly what you're saying, Jaime, they just take the, <coughs> the SE form factor, put it in a faster chip, and give it an OLED screen and Face ID and sell it as, as the low cost option next year. Is this a clearance price though? Like this price is this lower than they would have sold them when they last were on the store? 
it says here, if I was bearing in here, it says that the 32 gig, which is the one you mentioned is uh, 249 US, apparently was 349 uh, before it got pulled from the store. So, oh, so they are clearing it. So they're not, it's not like, uh, like if they took this, this form factor and brought out a new phone, even with the same screen it's got now, um, I wonder if they would, I, I guess this is, a, maybe this is a test for them to see how many of the, these they could sell, right? Because like you said, they found, yeah. they found the, the cash right. somewhere, right? Yeah, the, the, the cynical view would be, uh, not that I'm ever cynical, right? But but the cynical view would be that one of two things happened. One was that they said, oh, you know, our, our sales numbers are down. We better do something. And maybe they knew they, they had all these. They always had them. They knew they had them. They just purposely didn't sell them because they decided, you know, we're not selling this model anymore. But then when their sales numbers were bad, they said, well, let's sell those and we'll just increase our numbers however we can. That's one possibility. The other more, more cynical possibility is that uh, they knew all along that they were going to start selling them later after they had a chance to sell the more expensive ones for a while uh, and these weren't available. And then they bring out the cheaper ones to catch all the people who didn't want to buy the expensive one. And now it seems like a deal and now they go out and buy it. That would be kind of cynical uh, for them to do that. So I don't I don't know if that's if that's the case, but, but either one of those is possible. Uh, it's sort of hard to believe that they just found a secret stash of these things in a warehouse. Right, right. <laughs> well, wasn't, it, wasn't, it, wasn't it just this year that they silently they, they quietly discontinued it because they didn't say yeah. anything yeah, about they did. it, right? Yeah, yeah. Is this this just just this past like uh, it was this they... past fall? Yeah, right. it, especially considering how good at supply chain Apple is and knowing exactly where every single resistor is at all times. For them to not know that they had this large supply of phones kind of doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. 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 Like boxes and boxes. I mean, like, like they would normally spin these out to like a reseller, like Best Buy. And, and have them sell them off. Or in Canada, they're doing it with Costco, right? But rather than, than shaming themselves by selling them at the Apple store, right? Yeah. Well, but, actually, uh, another, I just occurred to be another possible option is these were phones that were meant to be sold in China or India and they couldn't sell them there. So they're now they're selling oh, them. Oh, hmm. <laughs> made their way back. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. The shadow knows. Yeah. All right. Moving on. So, uh, Jaime, you got something for us about uh, the new developer changes. I think we knew about this coming or is this more official... I have no idea. I was completely blindsided by this email. Oh, really? <laughs> I was hoping oh, okay. to ask you guys, like, did they mention this at some point? So we're yeah, talking no, about we, we knew about it in, in our organization because uh, they're yeah. changing the teams. Yeah. Yeah. They but, announced this a while back. Okay. So apparently long enough for me to have forgotten about this. Yeah. Was it like last dub dub or when, when did they mention this? It's about a few months ago. Yeah. The truth is, is I didn't pay enough. I didn't pay that much attention to it back then. And, and I didn't pay that much attention to it this time to know whether it's exactly the same or if there's something different. But they did say something about it a few months ago along yeah. yeah there was something on iTunes Connect about having to go in and accept the the yeah. new terms and that they were going to homogenize they're going to they're adding functionality or capabilities to a regular team member that they wouldn't have had before because um, you know before we had team agent and then we had like administrators and then we had the team agent had like the all the cards the team the administrators have the control over who can be on the team and, and create certificates and create apps and stuff like that and then the team members are just people who 
who can develop in Xcode, I believe. And they're kind of, uh, I guess it's just so many developer accounts that they're deci- deciding to homogenize them all together. Uh, the team agent is still going to be the, you know, the, the holder of all the cards, but I think more of the sort of regular run-of-the-mill developers are going to have more functionality available to them that they didn't have before. That's what it says essentially in the email, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never liked the split between the roles in the Apple developer website and App Store Connect. So now with the one team and one set of roles, and we'll have this in the show notes for those of you driving at home, there's like a nice little explanation as well as a chart that sort of shows what will happen to these different things, all these different roles and how they map up. Um, I completely forgot that this was even happening if I if I heard about it before, but it's good to know that starting February 12th, 2019, this is going to happen. So um, I think for maybe smaller shops where there's like a handful of people may not make a difference. Uh, your mileage may vary depending on how many people are in there for sizable organizations. Yeah, we have we have quite a few number number of people and like we, we split different roles into different people, right? So like we have one team agent, obviously, because everybody does. But um, yeah, we have a bunch of, we have a handful of administrators and the rest are just, you know, regular developer types, right? But there's all these different roles. Like they, they had broken out into marketing people and, you know, financial people and sales people and that kind of stuff. And they've kind of glommed them all together, I think, now. Or is this the new... Yeah, well, and my structures? guess, I mean, based on my experience, is that nobody really used all those different roles, you know? It's, right, right. People would either just have all everything, you know, people in the company would have either everything or, or people who only had certain limited access just wouldn't use it anyway. So, so right, right. it's probably just, you know, it, it was probably too much more than that was needed and this just simplifies too granular yeah 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 well it's coming yep all right so my next post here is is, uh, basically tim cook's article that was in time magazine Uh, i don't know if you guys had a chance to read it but uh his piece about how again he's suggesting that um congress passes a you know comprehensive privacy legislation to protect people's you know people from you know signing up for services and having their uh private information um doled out to third parties without disclosing to the uh, the client or the user that they're doing that. Um, also, the idea that um, companies really don't need to have all your your personal information, and maybe they should stop collecting it. I think that's part another part of his his uh, piece here. That you know, why are they collecting all this sort of you know stuff that really don't need to need to keep just to have you know an account on their system that you could use uh, their service for? Right? Do you guys have a chance to read this? If it applies more to the U.S. market than than I mean, I think generally worldwide this should be something that should be adopted. But this is more speaking towards the United States than anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. It's it's a pretty short article and it, I don't think he's saying anything too new or, or groundbreaking here, but you know, everything he says makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and, you know, with the new Congress, maybe there's actually a chance that something will happen, which would be interesting. Right. When does that new Congress take go into effect? Is it already in effect? Oh, or? they yeah, they, they started uh, earlier this month. Uh, right. And, you know, right now the government is shut down, so nothing will happen, but hopefully that will get resolved fairly soon. Sure. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is uh, less applicable for the European Union because they do have the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulations. I think I've mentioned on the show in the past that I would not be surprised to see some form of that here in the United States in the next five to ten years. I'm not, I don't, I'm not being too um, too optimistic about the time frame because you know these things take time. It's a huge shift, and I think one part of the shift is a big time, well respected CEO like Tim Cook coming out and giving this sort of editorial. And I think the one um, 
paragraph that I sort of highlighted out of this was, and I'll just read it verbatim. It's a very short paragraph. <clears throat> One of the biggest challenges in protecting privacy is that many of the violations are invisible. For example, right, you might have right. bought a product from an online retailer, something most of us have done, but what the retailer doesn't tell you is that it then turned around and sold or transferred information about your purchase to a data broker, a company that exists purely to collect your information, package it, and sell it to yet another buyer. And that's sort of like the, the huger thing about this, right? I, I don't really view it as quite the same as, you know, people will talk about this in terms of like Apple versus Facebook and Google. Sure, there, there's aspects of that. I think it's more these other players that you and I and folks out there don't really know about that they, they do exist to collect this information, resell it. Think of like all those times you'd be like, what the heck? Why am I getting this telemarketing call? Or why am I getting this spam in my like physical spam, not email spam? There's that too. I mean, like physical spam. And I've even tracked as myself. I'm like, oh, I guess my address got sold on some mailing list. And I can tell because look, I put this initial based on the name of the company I was working at at the time. So I can sort of see the age of like how this data has moved back and forth. I think that's a huge bit around these data brokers that call and collect all that information. And let's not forget, they also do it for offline purchases as well, right? We talked about how Facebook was buying like MasterCard and Visa credit card data that was used like in non-online context, like walking to Walmart and Target sort of thing. So this is just the first part of the conversation, um, you know, in a, in a large political arena. Yeah. I mentioned a bit of that last week when I was talking about credit cards and, and you know, like if you're searching mortgage rates or looking up, you know, uh, retirement funds and stuff like that, or, or if you're, you know, Googling depression or whatever, they can, they put two and two together and figure out what you're, what you're sort of dealing with. Or if you like, depending on your purchasing habits, I mean, like if you're buying specific things using your credit card, uh, they can come back and circle back in on you and sell you services related to what you're like. If you're looking for a house, for instance, they can, or looking for a car, they can hit you up with stuff like that. Um, but just, uh, just as a sort of note there, you were mentioning other countries, um, in Canada, you know, I've heard, I've heard Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, our prime minister talk about privacy on a number of occasions and had to defend some things. So we have some Canadian census data that went around and a little while ago and people were asking to him and his government why they were collecting certain information about Canadians. But it, we do have a privacy commissioner here who, um, whose job is basically to handle, to protect, you know, Canadians for privacies and stuff like that. And, um, that's one of the things that, that, uh, Trudeau is very aware of what's happening with the data that's being collected and, and used by other people. So, but I think that there's that still same sort of underhanded use that goes around from one place, one place to another. And I, I can concur about the, uh, the spam that you get, you know, like I, I can't tell you the number of mailing lists that I have never signed up for. They're like, Oh yeah, you kind of signed up for like a relative service for this. And I'm constantly going in and unsubscribing for things that, that I really don't care about. Like, and, and they're just out of the blue kind of related to something I was, you know, dealing with a little while ago, but you know, I don't make a habit of signing up for for mailing lists, right? So when I get these emails going, yeah, you you've kind of indicated you're interested in this. No, I don't think I I don't think I intentionally did, right? I think yeah, you probably when you when you bought something or signed up for something, there was a little small print saying, you know, by accepting this, you're you're accepting uh, you're you're yeah. acknowledging that you're interested in this type of stuff, which yeah, true. You can you're on some mailing list and you'll get every piece of spam out there. Yeah, and it's funny because in Canada, like back from my web development days, and I still see this from time to time, is that, you know, when you go into it, when you fill out a form and there's that little checkbox, 
inbox to say, send me email about blah, blah, other services or whatever. In Canada, that is not meant to be checked for you. You have to opt into that, right? And so I'm always aware when I'm looking at websites and filling in forms, whether or not, uh, you know, I'm giving away my permission for them to hit me up for other things, right? Like, you know, if I'm going in to buy something one time, I really don't want to have them hit me up with hundreds of emails or even daily emails in some cases, right? Yeah. It's annoying. It is. I think for developers, we definitely have to take a long look and sort of look internally and say, what do we want to do here? I'll cover this in two different ways, the optimistic way and the pessimistic way. So optimistically, which I hope uh, most of the listeners on this show will agree with, you'll look at this and say, well, maybe I need to take a more critical look at the data that my app or my company is really pulling in. Do, do we really need that information? You know, is there a liability here? Is there, do, do we feel like we're being fully ethical and moral by, you know, collecting this information? Uh, hopefully you're collecting it for good reasons. Maybe it's just because like, yeah, you know, the analytics package lets me get this. And why not? Why shouldn't I be able to look at this? You know, just re take a step back and reevaluate. On the pessimistic side, I mean, I hope it's nobody on the show, <laughs> nobody here in the, in the audience listens, you think, but you know, villains got to listen to something in their spare time too. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Same facetiously. Uh, if you're, if, you know, the pessimistic look at this is like, look, if you look at this from a pure dollars and cents, forget morality. Just think about possible liabilities and say, will I be subject to some sort of lawsuit through something like GDPR or, you know, USA GDPR equivalent? Or sort of the more, you know, possible near term thing is, what if Apple this says, you know what? App Store Review is going to clamp down on this stuff. Everything with Google Analytics denied just because they could, right? They're the, you know, the, the complete gods of the kingdom when it comes to the App Store. They could decide, forget what everybody says, forget what everybody thinks. We're just going to do this because we think it's the right thing to do. Think about how your business is set up uh, regarding data protections and data collection. And just look at it that way. Even just from a pessimistic standpoint, purely cynical standpoint, it would make sense to take a step back and reevaluate what you're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll, that's all we got to say about that. So is there anything else we want to talk about before we get to our picks? Because we're there. No, I think we've, we moved pretty swimmingly, pretty, pretty fast on this one. <laughs> Very efficiently in this episode. All right. Let's look at our picks. So Jaime, do you have a pick for this week? I do. It's a link to a, uh, a gist on GitHub as well as a uh, tweet on Twitter by... Um, I really apologize. Um, <laughs> I did not read the name before. Okay. I'm going to try this. T well, I think read, it's, read his, his Twitter handle looks like how you pronounce his name. I... I'm going to call it, I'm going to call him, uh, tiered Intervene, uh, has uh, a swift language tip where you can, you can use a custom inspect extension to debug your pipelines when you're trying to, you know, filter, map, reduce, do all these sorts of things on collections and sequences. Uh, the tweet sort of shows like how you might use this sort of thing. And then it just shows you like, this is a very sort of easy thing. Just toss into your, your project. Um, not so much as like, oh, this was great for production code, but more of like, you're trying to debug what the heck happened in this set of steps I had where I'm trying to, in this case, he's doing a zip followed by a filter, followed by a map, followed by a reduce. And then he uses the special inspect extension to say, just print out the ingredient. Like what the heck happened? Did I miss something? Should I have used compact map instead of the normal map? That's what this is all about. It's uh, has a little bit of code that um, I haven't used a ton of times, but when I have used it, it's kind of nice to see. So you don't necessarily have to always step through the debugger 
to see exactly what's going on when the set of steps you thought was going to work doesn't turn out the same. What's the zip zip function there? Like, I, I will think look it up, but I think it takes right? two different collections or sequences. And what does it do? Take left and then right? I'm going to have to look up the docs. Yeah, so, so it, look, yeah. It, 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 takes, it takes two of them and basically it takes each element, one from each, and makes a unit out of them, makes like a tuple out of them or something like that. Or like a key value pair, maybe? No, it's not a key value pair. It's more of a tuple. Okay. Yeah, because he's like, uh, he's got like two arrays. One is yeah. So um, actually, yeah. Looking at this example, that that makes complete sense. So there's two arrays that you pass in ing- ingredients array and is vegetarian array. Yeah. Uh, and it returns a an array of pairs tuples mm-hmm. uh, with each right. element wise ingredient or vegetarian. So it passes that into the filter, which takes uh, as input each element of the array, and you can see that the argument that's passed in is a tuple with an ingredient and is vegetarian. So the oh, result of the okay. zip is an array where each element of the array is a tuple or a tuple yep. for some people, uh, yep. where where the first element is an element in the ingredients array and the second element in the tuple is an element the from the is vegetarian array. Yeah, it's a boolean, yeah. Well, no, it's not a boolean. The filter returns a boolean. Oh, okay, right. But the zip returns the array. Oh, I see that, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then he's outputting the value of that in his print statement for each member in the array. Yeah, so it looks like, without and having tuple. looked at the code, it looks like the inspect is kind of doing sort of like a map, uh, except it instead of returning some function of the inputs, it's just returning the original ra- array again after doing some step on each element, in this case, just printing it out. Mm-hmm. So it, like, it, it enumer- seems like it enumerates it and then returns the original collection back. Yeah, where where the is vegetarian is true. Well, but right, it, it, for this particular case, but that's done by the filter. That's not done by yeah, 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 the yeah, inspect yeah. element itself in yep. itself. Yeah. yeah, it gives you a closure that you can run on these things. Right. You can see then, what it's yeah. doing. And then returns the original element again. That's an, that's a key part because he's chaining it back into the reduce. So the fact that you place this in line uh, in the chain means that whatever the input is has to be exactly the same as the output is. Otherwise, it would affect your data. Right. One thing I'm lost on, though, is that last little emoji in his little print statement. Was that thing supposed to... Where does that come from? So I think it's a salad. Okay. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, output, ingredient. What's the first one? Cheese, then apple. Apple and then strawberry. Um, strawberry, and then I I think the final emoji is a combined salad. Okay, so it's not part of the code; is a comment that probably happens <laughs> in that combine function that he's got. Yeah, maybe right. Combine mm-hmm. meal and ingredient, and you get a salad out. That's my guess. Right. Okay, all right. No documentation. Now, I'm working on a super secret project, but the bottom line is I've been able to play with Fastlane for the last couple of weeks. So uh, looking at the different features of Fastlane, um, Fastlane is is a, by um, Felix Krauss. Um, I think around 2004 he introduced Fastlane on GitHub. Um, and it's a set of tools that um, uh, you can use to manage an iOS project. Um, and by that, I mean, you can have it do different things. You can have it go and collect certificates from your uh, uh, your developer account on, on Apple and distribute them to the team. Um, when, anytime you do a build, you can have, you, you create these, uh, it's all written in Ruby, but you create lanes of, uh, of um, things that you want, or like a pipeline or whatever things you want to do so like a lane could could be like do a beta like create a, a beta testing build but go get the current certificate bring it down to my machine and that way I make sure I'm signing with the right certificate that kind of stuff and there's no guesswork there uh, but you can also create a, another lane to have it do the final publishing of the app to the app store you can have it things like pull down the metadata from your your descriptions in iTunes connect and then you know you can min- massage them and update them and then have it automatically put them back you can do things like 
like run unit tests. You can do things, the, the uh, UI testing for different things as well. Um, it has this really cool uh, function for doing screenshots. Um, and these are all built into all like different actions are built into into the Fastlane project. It's a huge collection of, of different things you can do that people have contributed. Um, one of the ones I like is is I have a bunch of apps that have, you know, I want to put like four screens for um, every view or four screenshots on, up on, on the app store. Um, so I have a Photoshop file set up where I've got a background and I've got my image that I want to put on each screenshot. And I've got like a, an iPhone cutout of, of different stuff. So I have an iPhone 10 and an 8 and a, you know, a 10R, for instance. And um, I'll have like a screenshot that I scale up and down. And then, you know, I want to shrink it down a little bit and put a little caption above it and post that up on iTunes Connect. But my apps are like sometimes in eight or 14 languages, which means that every time I have to do these four screenshots I have to, for, for each device, I also have to do them in all those various languages. So you end up with like hundreds and hundreds of, of images. And one of the things you can do with Fastlane is you can install uh, Image Magic on your Mac to, and they've got standard um, uh, image or, or cutout images of the phones. You can have it automatically run a UI test to go to a, a run your app, stop the app at a certain point, take a screenshot, save it as an image, and then you know n- navigate through the app and go find those four shots you wanted to take in your app and then automatically use Image Magic to create a, like a set of photos or images to upload uh, of your various devices and your various languages. Um, so you can basically in a, in a couple of minutes you can build like what would take me hours to do in Photoshop, right? Um, other things you can do, you can have it do automatically deal with Git. You can have it do documentation from your app by reading the comments in your application using Jazzy to output, um, you know, nice nicely formatted API document for your app. Um, what else can you do? It all kinds of uh, cool tricks you can do um, with Fastlane. So it's, I finally got a chance to sort of play around with it, and, and I can totally see using it. Uh, maybe not for everything I do in app development, but uh, for a lot of the drudgery, like making multiple screenshots and that kind of stuff, um, it'll come in handy for that. So, and you, if you're working with teams, you can use Fastlane for amongst the teams as well to make sure that everybody's using the same certificates, for example, that kind of stuff, right? So that's my pick for this week. Have you guys ever looked at Fastlane or curious about it? I haven't been on a project that uses. It. Yeah, and it's it's one of the things where you don't have to. It's not like you know, it does a lot of different things, right? But you don't have to use all the things. You can, if you just have one particular need, you can use Fastlane for just doing that one thing. So more will be revealed later. But uh, but this is sort of a fir- first sort of time I've had a chance to sit down and and play around with it. And I haven't done Ruby in like fifteen years, so it was a bit. Uh, and it's not daunting. Like it's, the Ruby you're doing in in Fastlane isn't like super super complicated. It's just setting up a um, a Ruby file for a gem file, basically for it to read and and uh, Determine how to uh, how to how to use your lanes and that kind of stuff, right? And you can com- you can combine them all together, so you can have like a lane the screenshots and one that does you know runs your tests like. Um and you can also do it for linting, like Swift Lint. You can set up a you know series of rules in Swift Lint and and run the lint on your app as well. So, so make your codes all sort of consistent on your team, right? Yeah, and definitely avoid those um, those crazier code reviews where people are are arguing over stuff. Where really you should define it in your linting file. You know, just yeah. whatever you choose is is your particular setup, and just let the automated system find spots where you're not complying with that instead of having sure. to you know sort of miss the forest for the trees in the code review of like, hey, here's this thing. Oh, you should do it this time. Well, we should have that talk offline, and then we'll just worry about the meat and the purpose of intent of this PR. Or go yeah. over tabs versus spaces. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
Yeah, you can use Fastlane to automatically replace those tabs with spaces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as an example, right? And apparently it also works for Android as well. I definitely knew about it for iOS. True, yeah, yeah. Looking at uh, Fastlane.tools, their website. Very snazzy website. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been around for a while. I mean, it's four years. We're four or five years into it, right? So it's really interesting. Yeah, lot, lots of, uh, I mean, you know, for like Mark and I both have, as indie developers, have had to, you know, push stuff up to the stores on our own. And it's a lot of work, eh, Mark? Yeah. That's why we call this podcast more than just code, in fact. <laughs> you know, so now we'll just call it the Fastlane Podcast. That's a joke. No? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I guess that's it for the week. Mark, do you have a pick? Sorry. Uh, you're going to shame me again. I do not have a pick. No, I don't I don't put that in the show. Don't worry oh, about okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> unless it's funny. Unless, unless the interchange is funny. I, yeah. I generally don't put it in the show. Yeah, my, my pick is watch the Super Bowl in two weeks to see the Patriots. Hopefully win their sixth Super Bowl. Hopefully? Where's the for A very yeah. small segment yeah. of uh, there the United States. There was a time where, where I was very confident that they would win it every year. And then I learned they don't. <laughs> This year, you know, this year they didn't look that great. So the playoffs so far have been pretty impressive. They dominated against San Diego. They looked really strong for most of the game against Kansas City. They kind of started losing it at the end, uh, but not losing the game, but losing, you know, they were losing dominance. And in fact, they did lose the lead at one point. uh, And it was a little dicey at the very end, but for three quarters of the game or so, they they were really dominating against a really good team. So so I, I have confidence uh, you know the the rams are also a very good team though so anything can happen mm. but i do believe this is the first time here's a little bit of trivia for you i think this is the first time ever that the same two cities played against each other in both the super bowl and the world series in the same really? same oh. year technically not the same year but in this is still the 2018 season officially for football so yeah so the red sox played against the dodgers in the world series last october and now the patriots uh, technically, they're New England Patriots, but it's essentially a Boston area team uh, play against the uh, LA Rams. Hmm. So it should be interesting. It'll be more, even more interesting if next year if the uh, Celtics play against the uh, the um, the Warriors. What's, what's the name of, no, what's the name? What's that LA team? What are they called? Uh, the Lakers. The Lakers. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's unlikely this year. Yeah. But you never know. Yeah. Yeah. I saw an interesting thing today on um, apparently one of Gwen Gretzky's brothers is is working in. Uh, Edmonton, Ed, it's Brent Gretzky, and apparently he's been trending on Twitter today. And, and um, so somebody posted a picture of Keith Gretzky, who was the only other Gretzky that kind of made it into the professional hockey hockey leagues. Hmm. Um, and uh, somebody posted in a response to that tweet that uh, the, the Gretzky brothers were the highest scoring brothers in NHL history. Hmm. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> Take a minute. <laughs> all right. Well, I had no idea how successful the other guy was. He was not it. successful at all. Not Didn't at matter. All. He's like he's like Jaime's goaltender, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just has to show up with the last, correct last name and get the name in the books, right? Right. Yeah. Highest scoring brothers in NHL history. Yeah, that's what it was. The reply. Anyway, um, I guess that's it for this week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where do they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with a hair. Right, Mark. People want to get in touch with you. Mark R at mapsoft.com. All right, and I am Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And until next week, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. 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 If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. 
If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Patriots, huh? When's the yeah. Super Bowl? Two weeks. Oh, okay. And so yeah. is there not a game next week or something? There's or? no game this Sunday. And right. The Super Bowl is the week, the Sunday after. Mm, okay. So technically it's only a week and a half now. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. You have the Pro Bowl, the equivalent of the All-Star right. game in various yeah. leagues in yeah. between. Um, that, that's more just for fun. Barely counts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I guess it ended up working out in the best possible way for the NFL when it comes to TV ratings, having the East Coast and the West Coast well represented in the Super Bowl, which has led a lot of people to talk about conspiracy given the way that the Rams-Saints game ended. Yeah. Tim, if you didn't see um, what should have been an essential, essentially a game-ending penalty uh, was somehow the uh, the refs went full bird box. <laughs> Sandra Bullock with the blindfold yeah. on and decided that the defensive back, or yeah, some sort of defensive back, blowing up the receiver well before the ball shows up uh, and even hitting him in the, in the head which is a itself a completely separate penalty. Um, apparently, that wasn't that wasn't a penalty. They didn't see it, even though you could tell in real time that something was clearly wrong. And of course, when you see it in slow motion, it's like, oh man, it's like it's not even close. He, he's not even going for the ball. He just blows up that dude's head, sends him spinning, and somehow, nope, not, not a penalty. And the refs like were looking right at it, or what? I mean, it, it's like WWF refs, where <laughs> you know they don't see what's happening as the guy you know goes underneath the stage and and pulls out the the hammer and starts hitting the guy. It was, it was wow. I mean, I, I feel sorry for New Orleans Saints fans, but it was humorous as somebody who didn't have any skin in the game. I said, yeah, you know, you're exaggerating a bit there. I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, it was fairly, it was, it was a, it was a bad call, but you know, that I, I don't think the refs intentionally miscalled, although New Orleans fans might think differently. Yeah. They, 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 it will, it will be another thing that their fans will be talking about on, on talk radio for a yep. long time. Yep. Um, and then to throw in more into the conspiracy since uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan and my team sadly lost to the LA Rams the week prior. Um, there was a weird call that, you know, wasn't as, as uh, game shaping as uh, as this particular one was, but it was really weird to see our own quarterback get called for a sack, uh, even though he was not being grabbed in any sort of way by a defender. <laughs> That's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. What, did he just fall over or something? No, so so he's scrambling as, as the defenders are, are chasing him, runs into the um, his own offensive lineman who like sort of cradles him a bit, you know, grabs him because like the, the guy just sort of ran into him and they called the play dead, which means it goes down on the record as like a sack. And so the Cowboys lose yardage. They get pushed out of field goal range. The rule as written though is meant to be, oh, when the quarterback's being held, you know, they don't want him to get injured. So they, they blow the play dead. That only applies if it's the defender who is grabbing them so that they can't like gang tackle them and just like, you know, take him out behind the woodshed sort of thing. 
if you put on your conspiracy hat and i'm sure saints fans will be sitting at the bar and be like yeah yeah the refs <laughs> the refs are conspiring to get la into the super bowl wow uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll throw a little bit of uh, of gasoline on the fire for wait them. so the refs were conspiring to get la in the super bowl I, if, if you're like you know just go into like the nfl subreddits and and see the crazy conspiracy theories on on all you'll find conspiracy theories for everything and i guarantee well, it's funny it's it, funny it that the refs did that to the toronto maple leafs and let the la um kings advance into the nhl or the stanley cup finals same sort of thing yeah in fact it's it's been the refs fault uh, for for the past what 20 years since the maple leafs have won anything right it's all the refs. yeah pretty much yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. his name is um (laughs) yeah they're they're, apparently they're they've been had a really good season and now they're in a three-game slump and you know that now we're we're not sure what to do with ourselves Hmm. after like a three-day slump seriously (laughs) that's why i don't watch the lease yeah so you guys ever watch mythbusters yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so they got this. They, they're, they've finished their show. They're not doing any more of the Jamie and, and Adam shows, but they've spun out this new version of it called MythBusters Junior. Mm. And so they had these kids on the other day, like you know, t- young teenagers or whatever, um, experimenting with getting lithium batteries to catch on fire. Mm. So they tried different ways of doing it. One is to you know light them on fire, like put them on a, like a barbecue and just fire them up, right? And mm-hmm. of course they burned gloriously. Mm-hmm. The other way was to you know, take a part the uh, the battery, take the lithium out, and then expose it to water. And I don't know if you remember, but from chemistry class, but lithium and water uh, react right away mm-hmm. and, and actually start burning. The other way was to compress the lithium battery, I guess, so it forces the the I mean the sections to fuse together with pressure, right? And they found that all three of those ways are really good ways to get um, batteries to, to start combusting, right? And so they were the the myth they were doing was whether or not you should throw you shouldn't throw your lithium batteries in the garbage because a garbage truck could catch on fire, right? And, and I know Tam, or, uh, Jaime's always like, likes to say dumpster fire whenever we're talking about this stuff. So they had these dumpsters full of garbage and they were dumping them in. The final exa- test was they were dumping them into a huge garbage truck and they had a they had one battery and they had rigged it so that when the, when the, the trash garbage can or garbage uh, truck tried to compress the trash it would pierce this one particular battery with, you know, it would basically pierce it, right? Um, and force it to catch fire and they basically lit this whole garbage can on fire just using ba- like ba- actual garbage, like, you know, like mm. lettuce and paper and whatever thrown in from a real dumpster. And they threw in a bunch of lithium batteries in it and then compressed the hell out of it and got this thing to catch on fire. So they confirmed the myth that you shouldn't throw your batteries in the garbage. Mm. Yeah. So it was interesting, interesting sort of thing. Like, you know, and you, and you think you're carrying this stuff around in your pocket, you know? Or or in a uh, in a purse that you keep by your chair. In a, For your e-cigarette. In a yeah, meeting, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, really or your head. I mean, there's a little, yeah. I assume it's a little lithium battery in the AirPods. Oh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> like, be surprised if it was something different. I mean, this is like a like a Black Mirror, Twilight Zone, or yeah. Outer Limits episode. Yeah. Well, there was a, there was an old uh, American or Canadian sci-fi movie where people's heads were exploding. You know what it was called? Oh, I'm sure the fans will write in. It was a fan, I think it was David Cronenberg or something like that where, where people's heads were just blowing up. Right? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see, sci-fi. Let's Google sci-fi heads blowing up. <laughs> I guess the other thing, uh, news-wise, uh, sports-wise, is the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame new inductees, including uh, longtime Seattle Mariners designated hitter yeah. Edgar Martinez. This is oh, his yeah. final year of eligibility. And he's in. And yeah. he's in. Deserves it. Mm. Oh, the movie's called Scanners. You ever heard of Scanners? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The heads, heads explode. Yep. Interesting stuff. Mariners don't get too many Hall of Famers, do they? No, no. We we just are the farm system to watch them go yeah. be Hall of Famers elsewhere. So did Ken Griffey Jr. go in as a Mariner or as a Red? I, 
believe he went in as a mariner. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I looked it up at one point. There's like this crazy all-time list you could create of people who went through the Mariners organization and ended up elsewhere. Like, reasonably sure David Ortiz used to be owned by the Mariners. Um, uh, maybe in the minor leagues, but he yeah. but he started for the, playing for the Twins before he went to the Red Sox. Maybe, might have been the Mar- a minor, a Mariners minor league team. Yeah, it was like just like a, an absurd number of guys who, yeah. <laughs> who didn't do anything here. A-Rod uh, started there too, but he won't go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's going to run into the same thing that Roger Clemens and yes, uh, Barry, Bonds. Barry Bonds. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. Why not? Oh, steroids, steroids. or something? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yep. oh. Roy Holiday just got put into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Ray Holiday, yeah. Mariano Rivera was the uh, yeah. first unanimous one, which is kind of a, a sea change in how the, the voters have decided to do it. No no weird um, traditions of like, well, if Babe Ruth wasn't unanimous, this guy shouldn't be there. You know, I think they're voting more. It's like, you know, just look how things were going. And I think that's why Edgar made it in this time. Uh, guys either retired or died out <laughs> and couldn't vote anymore. So the new group was like, look, that Disney here is an important part. Yeah, maybe these guys didn't like it, but guess what there's an entire half of the league that uses a dh and you start end up asking some really awkward questions about whether somebody like a david ortiz who's clearly a hall of famer would qualify as a hall of famer if you're going to be um you know dinging somebody like edgar martinez for whom there is a award named after mm. um and i think that i think the cooler heads prevailed this year yeah it's interesting i'm looking at a website that i found that lists the mariners hall of famers and there's a couple of surprising names on here so edgar martinez obviously ken mm-hmm. griffey jr is on there Okay. Randy Johnson mm-hmm. uh, makes sense. Uh, although he didn't play, he played a lot of years, not on the Mariners, but, but he started there, right? Can't um, remember if he started here, but certainly he was only here for a few years. I think of him more as like an Arizona Diamondbacks kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. But then we got Ricky Henderson. I didn't know what that one, uh, yeah. Veritech, I want to say was. Veritech started, he's not a Hall of Famer. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, he started with the Mariners and then moved to the Red Sox. Uh, also Rich Gossage. I think of him as a Yankee. Um, Dick will. Williams uh, as a manager, which I guess he managed the Mariners, but I think of him as managing the 1967 Red Sox. Um, and then Gaylord Perry, who I think of as, I can't think of what team he would he's associated with actually now. That's interesting. Okay, yeah, he played with the Giants and Cleveland. Wait a minute, hold on. He only played one season for the Mariners and he only he played in 1982 for the Mariners towards the end of his career. Oh, also in 1983. And yet he went in as a Mariner. That's interesting. I, I mean, I guess they choose what team to go in as. Yeah, but it, it's just like this weird, I call them the bad news bears as I watch all the time. <laughs> I mean, we had like Adrian Beltre, huge signing, comes here, yeah. you know, reasonably good, but essentially came here to die. I was like, oh, I think his career is done. And then he goes to like Texas and just has this renewed vigor mm-hmm. and stays playing for like another decade. We're, we're like the anti-Patriots where <laughs> guys are good at the Patriots. They leave, they suck. They go back to the Patriots. They're good again. They're good again. Yeah. Well, at least you're not as much of a farm team as the A's are. I don't understand what's happening. Like, I don't understand the Oakland fan base, but like, I would gladly trade to be basically in the playoffs every two or three years versus hoping and pleading that perhaps the Mariners would get into the playoffs sometime mm. before, well, this decade's almost over, the next decade, the 20s. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't understand why the, the fan interest isn't there. I mean, is it just the Giants in, in, in San Fran? Yeah, I mean, Oakland is is kind of, a, um, you know, it's, it's I mean, it's a big city, but but it's, it's next to two even bigger cities. Uh, so the Giants 
Giants are the big draw for San Francisco. And San Jose, it, you know, it's a, Oakland's a little too far to be a real a real fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always thought when, and, and the A's were talking about moving to San Jose for a long time, and it was basically the, the league and, you know, the Giants own the territory uh, that nixed the deal. But it would have been the best possible thing for the A's to build. They were going to build a stadium right in downtown San Jose and move down here. And all of a sudden they go from a small market to a giant, enormous market with a lot of corporate money available. You know, you'd have the Google box, you'd have the Adobe box, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. would just, they turn into a really a top tier market team. And it just never, it just never happened. Which is too bad for them. Too bad for me too, because it would have made it really easy to go see the Red Sox when they came to town. That's true. That's true. You'd have you'd have everything there. You'd have WWDC. Only yeah, you'd your place is an Airbnb or sign yeah. up as an Uber driver to shuttle people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well. I'm still enjoying Valley of the Boom. I just found out it's a limited miniseries. It's like six episodes, I think. Yeah. I just saw I watched the, that, watched the, the last night's episode, or the other night's episode, with, um, what was it, Mark Andreessen and, um, what was it, uh, a couple of young guys. Mm-hmm. From the, the Globe. Uh, the Globe? Yeah, I don't remember the globe.com. I barely remember. It was more of a GeoCities person myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it was sort of equivalent to that thing, right? So, But it's funny, it's funny they're all throwing shade at AOL, right? But AOL was... was was what eWorld was built on, you know, Apple's eWorld. Hmm. And I remember when when I was first getting into the internet, I was, you know, trying to run the Mosaic um, browser and then Netscape came along and then they think, um, I remember when when um, Explorer showed up inside of uh, AOL. I was pretty sure that Netscape was supposed to be rumored to be coming that way, right? Yeah, they, they actually cover that in the, we've gotten to the point where it's the browser wars and the antitrust dealings. Yeah. What was the, fir- what was the first episode about? I, I missed it. Uh, first episode starts and it kind of introduces i think Andreessen? netscape is already a small company at that point mm-hmm. introduces mm-hmm. the players of mark Andreessen and i forget yeah. the ceo's name and uh the globe.com guys like aren't even in new york well not new york city and they're like begging friends and family for money they pay for server time and stuff yeah and then the the story i didn't know at all is about michael fain in the the video streaming apparently con artist guy who's serving a few decades in prison right now for for all sorts of cons that he did and mm. mark cuban who I like from well the Dallas yeah. Mavericks as the owner as well as Shark Tank comes out yeah. and talks about that part of the industry a lot and like what mm. was and wasn't possible at the time. Well, yeah, interesting stuff. Well, anyway, I think I'm gonna call it a day because it's like already tomorrow. Yeah, see you guys. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.